Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. On this episode, I'm speaking with R.M. Moeller. He's an interesting fella. He discusses in great details about his book that is a fantasy, dystopian, just a range of areas to discuss for where his book is. He t- also tells us about just how we're starting with his first in a multi-line series. So listen to the show, enjoy it, or if you're watching, enjoy the show as well. Remember, he will be pointing to something on his computer screen, so those who are listening, you might not understand when he says this here. He's actually pointing to something on his screen. As I'd like to remind everyone, these shows are pre-recorded. They're done in a video as well as an audio format, so people can enjoy them in many different ways. So with that being said, enjoy the show. Go to authorblurb.com where you can find the show notes, the show itself, where other episodes are being basically streamed, or you can listen to them on the website as well. We have all of our guests' ah, all of our guesses profiles there for you to view and even some articles that some of the authors have written so with that being said enjoy the show and i'll talk to you afterwards so i am here with richard Mulder. we're talking about his books he has his first book out and richard wrote a fantasy a dystopia he wrote the book just has a wide range instead of me going through this richard you go under the published name R.M. Mulder. Can you tell people a bit about your book, about your series, about yourself, so that we can get to know you? Yes, absolutely. So originally, I published back in 2016. Um, it's, it was originally called Conquest. Um, and uh, the uh, one of the comments that we received from uh, one of the readers, uh, several readers actually, was that uh, the way I designed the book, it, it had a... Um, multiple person point of view and uh, so you jump from one character each chapter switched between from one head to the next and a lot of readers got frustrated with that and uh, they couldn't they felt like they couldn't stay you know um, on track with the story and uh, it got a little confusing to them and so I, I recently stepped back and I really thought about my series and what I wanted to do with the series and I realized you know what um, in fact, another comment, a similar comment, was um, this: uh, th- this book has so much in, uh, in in the story. I wish there was more. And I realized, okay, what I need to do is I need to separate this book out into individual points of view. And uh, it's still a third-person narrative. However, it's just one particular character and their point of view. So this one right here, this is Ascension. So Conquest. This is a dystopian gamelet saga, saga. and uh, Ascension is the story of Alan. So Alan, he is our main character in this particular story. He is an attorney, um, and uh, he's a big-time gamer. You know, so attorney by day, gamer by night, and he has. Uh, so the beginning, the beginning, beginning half of the story, um, he ha- gets into a personal conflict. Basically, his uh, his girlfriend of many years. Um, he had this whole big proposal planned out, and um, he had coordinated with his sister to try to get ideas and everything. And so 
the big event comes that he's at this restaurant and he sits down and she, she comes and he's really nervous and everything. And then ultimately he finally gets the courage and gets down on his knees and he begins to propose. And she's like, whoa, whoa. Okay. Hang on. The whole restaurant is watching and they're like, oh, all right. And meanwhile, he's like, uh, I, 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 I just got to push through. And so he pushes through this proposal and she just stares at him blankly. Like we need to talk. And he's like, what? And so ultimately she accepts a phone call, some urgent phone call, urgent. And, uh, she just storms off and he's just left there. The waiter shows up with the check, shows up with the, the, excuse me, the bottle of wine. All right. Do you want me to uh, pop the cork? He's like, no, here, just get me the check. I've lost my appetite. And so he's depressed. He doesn't know what's going on through his girlfriend, Lily's head. And so ultimately, he's his buddy. He's his buddy's a cop, and his buddy picks him up, and uh, he's like, "Hey, hey, what's going on?" He's like, uh, I, "I just proposed." And he's like, "Oh, congrats!" No, no, no. She said, <laughs> she said no, and he's like, "Oh, dude, I am so sorry." And uh, ultimately, um, he's like, "Hey, man." You know, I'm heading to the arena. Do you want to come with? And uh, so the arena, so um, Conquest, that's the name of the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, this game is designed by a company called Cyberbolt Entertainment. And uh, think of it kind of like Blizzard. Um, and they have this unique interface where um, players, so there's two types of players, two t- types of consoles, as you would say, it's like there's an implant, a surgical implant that uh, is in your right temple uh, for those who can afford the expensive surgery. And there's also a, uh, just the the standard, um, you know, goggles or whatnot, the, you know, the, uh, uh, for virtual reality. Um, But the implant creates an augmented reality perception where you're inside the game. You feel everything, you smell everything, you see everything, you are completely immersed. It's a fully immersive, augmented reality um console that they they provide now the arena so you can you can play this play anywhere but in the arena you actually get to you know there it's a fully controlled environment everything's made out of green foam so you stumble you fall you're fine you know they got paramedics on hand just in case but um it's an ability to really play as if you are inside this world and so he'd never gone but uh, his buddy had gone there all the time. And his buddy, uh, James, he's, he says, hey, you want to come with me? And he's like, mm, you know what? I got nothing better to do. Why not? So they head to the arena. They get there. And uh, um, they have the this this service package. You can either pay for a day. pay for, And the day is separated between um, weekend and weekday. And, or you can pay for their premium services, and their premium services are a monthly subscription or an annual subscription. And this premium member package comes with a ton of extra benefits. Um, and uh, he sat back and thought about it, and he's like, you know what? What the heck? I'm going to get a monthly membership, just one month. So they log into the game, and he, they, or well, first off, they get dressed into these uh, in the locker room, and they come out, and that. It's like the gates of Mordor are opening up. Welcome players. And, you know, he's like, what the heck? And he sees the green foam. And then he, he uh, turns on his uh, augmented reality chip. And 
everything just completely changes. The full landscape, uh, dragons flying in the sky, everything's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So he gets to play in person and has a great time. Now, about uh, a couple chapters in, um, he's uh, he's fighting off monsters and whatever it be, and uh, well, he's getting tired. It's been a long day, and his buddy's getting tired as well. And he's like, "Hey, I'm, I'm just gonna log into." Uh, oh, oh, and one of the things that he gets frustrated about because he'd been playing a little bit before this uh, this proposal had happened, he gets frustrated that his friend is leveling up so quickly. And he's like, what is going on? How, how are you leveling up as fast as you are? I mean, we've been playing the same amount of time and you're like double the levels. And his friend Chuck is like, because I level up in my sleep. He's like, what, what are you talking about? And originally he had accused him of, you know, logging in while he's on duty. Um, and uh, James like, no, I would never do that. I'm responsible. And uh, uh, so he's like, all right, what do you mean in your sleep? He's like, oh, it's one of the premium services. One of the premium services allows you the, uh, it's a function called sleep mode. And in sleep mode, your avatar, ba- basically your your body is your avatar. In essence. It's mm-hmm. kind of a weird concept, but your body uh, acts as your avatar. And uh, you, when sleep mode is activated, uh, your serotonin levels spike. Um, and where's uh, uh, the opposite? I can't remember exactly. It's, it's all detailed. But the whole point is you go into a comatose state. Meanwhile, Lower level players, meaning players, people who want to play but don't have the ability to log in, don't have the that, that chip, um, or uh, they've got an older primitive console, um, even you know down to joystick or whatnot. Right. whatnot. Um, they have the ability to play using your avatar, your body, basically. Okay. But you get to level up at the same time. And it's a controlled environment. That's the whole point. So there, nothing can happen that's, you know, illegal or, you know, anything that uh, would harm you for re- in real life. And um, the, so Alan, he's like, this is this is crazy. What are you talking about? This is nuts. And his, his friend calls him and he's like, hey, you know, let me explain a little further. So when I first joined Police Academy and I, and, uh, I started playing games like this, um, I... Uh, my chief, he wanted me to go to the gym, and I was like, I really don't want to. So I came here to the arena, to the arena instead. And so while I sleep, I build muscle. I'm I'm working out 24 seven, but I'm actually, you know, I'm sleeping through it. So at first, I was a little sore, um, but uh, over time, I built a ton of muscle. So I just, you know, I thought this was a great opportunity for me. And so ultimately, Alan's come in to be like, fine, I'll try it out. So anyway, while he is uh, playing, he stumbles across this unique artifact. And this artifact, it's a, it's a seer stone. And it gives him this unique ability where he can... So when it activates, he can go into, um, into a, a foresight mode. So he doesn't realize it's happening until the, the alert pops up. We see it. So system alert, um, conquest servers have identified a foreseeable outcome. So, and uh, he's like, okay, all right, what was this about? He starts, he's continuing to play and some big, you know, monster gets in the way of some sort and he's attacking and he fails. And so then um, the, uh, the, this particular seer stone now activates again and he's thrown back in time inside the game and he gets to relive that particular uh, scenario 
and hopefully he can figure out an intended a, a different outcome. Um, and so this this is something that he's this is great. It gives him the opportunity to continue to level up and uh, kind of get back up to par with his friend. Well, his cuds his uh, his HUD um, it's a it's an interface where you can see for for those who aren't familiar, it's a, a drop down interface. You can see your different stats and whatnot um, mm-hmm. inside your screen. And uh, he's uh, he's playing, and he's at any time he gets a little bit of anxiety while playing, um, his HUD starts gl- glitching out, like it starts you know getting buzzy and static, and he's like, well, "What's going on?" And he can't see, and uh, he starts to realize that this is only happening when um, when he's got anxiety, and uh, ultimately. Um, and he's had a lot of anxiety about, you know, what happened with his girlfriend, Lily, you know? So, um, ultimately, uh, he, uh, he knows he has to go into the office the next day. He logs out uh, of the game and he wakes up the next morning just in a cold sweat. And, uh, he wakes up and he is completely, he has this, this strange episode where his, uh, he doesn't realize this, but his eyes were glowing, this silver color, um, in real life. And he wakes up. It wakes up. He had this crazy nightmare, and he's like, "Oh, oh my gosh! Super, super amount of a large amount of anxiety that uh, happened to him at that moment." He's getting ready for work. Goes to check the news. Ah, not again! His uh, implant is fried. Something has happened to cause his implant to fry, and this is where the story really starts. It really starts to get into depth. Now. Granted, in this particular book, this is a little past the midpoint where this uh, this uh, scene comes in, and uh, so he uh, he's like, okay, that's frustrating. I got to go back to the old school, primitive ways to get you know he's, he's uh, get ready for the day. So he's playing his. So he's in his car. He's uh, playing this. Um, now, mind you, this is a combustion engine like we're accustomed to, but this is a rebuilt um, uh, high tech sports car. And for the most part, everyone's got electric vehicles or whatever. And so they, you know, they don't even use combustion engines anymore. So, you know, this was, this is a fully rebuilt, restored vehicle and he's, he loves it. It's just his baby, you know? And so he's listening to over the speakers and, uh, um, it's playing his, uh, voicemails, um, because he can't log in. He can't listen to them the way he normally would. And he's got a series of voicemails and it really, it really just shows who he is. And, uh, um, he's got massive amounts of debt. I mean, yeah, he's an attorney, but not a very good one. Okay. <laughs> so he's got this massive amount of debt and, uh, collect, uh, collectors are hounding him. And then he gets one particular message. Now this message comes from Jason Bridger. Jason Bridger is an old, old, old friend of his from high school. Um, in fact, uh, they they or uh, they went to uh, college together as well at Harvard. And this message is very urgent. His friend says, "I need you to meet me at Buckingham Park in Chicago um, immediately. There's something about one of your clients that's uh, I, I need to talk to you about. Please meet me. Um, it's very important." And he's like, what the heck? The last time I talked to this guy, I mean, we had a falling out over the same girl. This, this is better be important. And it happens that his office is around the corner from Buckingham Palace. Uh, or not Palace. I keep saying Palace. Buckingham Fountain. <laughs> Sorry. The park? Yeah, it's yes. the park. Um, 
anyway, uh, so he's like, all right, I guess I'll go there. And so he parks his car, he heads over, and he's like, Jason, because he, he noticed that the, the message came only like 20 minutes ago. He's like, all right, hey, Jason, where are you? You know, and the park is pretty, pretty empty. And suddenly he started feeling really, you know, there's a lot of anxiety, like what's going on. And uh, he sees someone sitting on the, on a, uh, on a park bench. Now, my, mind you, it's, it's kind of, it's just barely, you know, twilight. It's, you know, it's, the sun's coming up. And so it's still a little dark. And he's like, Hey, Jason, is that you? The guy stands with a cane. And he like tells him a thick Turkish accent. And he's like, your friend, uh, your friend's not here. And uh, I was like, wait, Timor Demion? What are you doing here? Timor Demion, he is the CEO of Cyberbolt Entertainment. And he actually, Alan um, had a meeting with him later that day to go over a securities contract. And this securities contract was going to be um, basically what was going to save his, him financially. And he's like, well, what's going on here? Next thing he knows, Timor's got a gun and cocked and ready. He's like, what did Jason tell you? And he's like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And uh, what did Jason tell you? And uh, he's like, uh, I mean, uh, he said something about one of my clients. Wait, 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 you? That's what I was afraid of. And uh, he goes, and he's like, did it, what, were the, what were the details, basically? And, and I was like, it's just, uh, I, I don't know. He's like, I'm afraid I have to kill you now. Shoots him in the chest. He feels it. It's just severe pain, a raspy breath. He falls to the ground, blood everywhere. A little graphic. <laughs> All right. Um, and then he feels this strange aura surround him, and he can start to breathe again. And uh, it, then uh, Timor starts screaming, popping off, pow, 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 pow. And when, when uh, Alan opens his eyes, he swears he must be dead. He sees these bullets spinning in the air and just stationary. Right. When he registers uh, Timor, um, when when he registers Timor's response, he scream like, "Why is that going on?" Suddenly, the bullets clack to the ground, and this aura, silver aura of light that enveloped him, has fully healed him. And this is the beginning of his journey, understanding his true self and who he is meant to be. Um, and a little bit, uh, a little more information there. His uh, purpose, he is the final seraph, also known as the fifth horseman. So four horsemen of the apocalypse. There's a fifth one. You just don't know about it yet. Right. It was conveniently written out. And uh, so long story short, <laughs> that's a long story. Um, this is the beginning of his, um, his uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, his journey? His journey, yes. His awakening. So let me ask this then. So... You'd say that this is a dystopian fantasy adventure. It doesn't, to me, when I hear dystopian, I'm thinking the world is in shambles, all this is happening. Where's, because it sounds like it's kind of a modern, nicely set up, still well-functioning society. Mm -hmm. Where's the dystopia come into this storyline? So this is pre-dystopia. Right okay. Here. And it's just prior to certain events that are about to happen. Now, again, Alan is just one particular point of view. Um, there are several other point of views in the original story that uh, are now spread out into the series. Mm -hmm. Lily, his girlfriend, is a very important piece of that. 
Um, so is Brittany, Brittany Parker, a police officer. Um, and then we also have Doug. Doug is a very paranoid individual and uh, he's one of my favorite characters. He's got a very particular role. And then there's John. So between, and I'm not going to tell you too much about John because that's, you know, that's unique. But, and you'll find out more in this particular story, Ascension, who John is. All right. Now, uh, of these, uh, of these different point of views, there is a particular event that happens, a rapture-like event that uh, is controlled and uh, created by Timor. Now, this uh, event causes a large population of Earth to be transported to another world. This world is called Zion. And in this world, now, this isn't your typical Zion, what you think of, oh, wow, you know, this glorious, wonderful place, you know, that uh, you know, some, some people think of. It used to be that way, but it's not that way anymore. It is now a desolate wasteland, and there's a creature there called the Leviathan. Mm-hmm. And this creature is, um, so it, there's a little bit of Christian fantasy in here. Um, this creature is God's greatest enemy. And um, this, uh, this enemy, it, it, it's in the form of, it's a smoke-like form. It's got red eyes, and it consumes people's souls. And these, uh, when he consumes their souls, they now become his subjects. And uh, so ultimately, this is Timor's plan to get everyone to surgically install these implants so that he can cause this massive rapture event to feed the Leviathan. Okay. So then that explains where that's coming in. So with that being said, this is the first of a series, correct? Mm-hmm. So, yes. And you're saying that with everything else you have, each character is going to develop their own seat, their own series or their own book in the series. So right. how long are you expecting this series to be? Or do you plan on having it continue as long as possible? Do you have a set date, um, set end, or do you have a... Yes. All right. So it is a five-book series. Um, most of the, uh, the second is already written and most of the third. Um, so I intend to release the second by um, August this year. The... Uh, this, the third will be released around October, is what I anticipate. And then um, from there, it'll be a little more spaced out, but we're looking um, 20, 2023 for book four and five. Okay. And what got you to start writing these? What was, did you have inspiration? Was it something you just one day was sitting there going, you know, and the story all came into your head? What was the beginning of this series? Oh, it was about so in 2016 when I initially published, I had been plotting out this idea for about seven years, and the idea started with simply, what if the concept of the city of Enoch, this the city that was taken up into heaven, what if that city of Enoch is the same as Atlantis? All right. The stories just got meshed, and so the the rumors spread, and uh, so people uh, people created false rumors based on this. What if those are one and the same? And so everything stemmed from there. So that's a little bit of a you know, disclaimer there. Or, All right. What's uh, not the worry? Excuse me. A spoiler. Spoiler. Okay. <laughs> that, yeah. So a little bit of a spoiler Spoiler there. Um, this land, this, this land of Zion, this world called Zion has mm-hmm. um, a chunk of land on it called uh, the, the, the Land of Enoch, and at the center of this land, there's a city called Atlantis. Okay. So what 
I guess, what got you to figure out the characters? Is there any bit of you in some of the characters? Is it just people you know, or is it just random qualities you found that you felt fit this char- these characters? There's bits of me in every character, absolutely. And uh, parts of uh, characters are friends of mine and whatnot. But uh, overall, I'm a discovery writer. What right. that means is I discover the story as I'm writing it. So right. the characters direct me. I understand. And I was I start when I started writing it was called a pantser. And yeah. they just recently changed it to Discovery Writer just because to me I think they did it because it sounds fancier than so I do the same thing. I write by the seat of my pants or I discover as I go. So it's to me it's I guess I found that um or I've heard people refer to that as the long form outline because your first draft is what some people consider your outline because you have to go back, you do a lot more editing. So, but to me, it also brings out a whole lot more surprise and emotions in your writing as you go. So, but each person, each author I found has their set of tools that helps them. When you were writing, what kind of emotions did you end up finding then during the story? Oh, all range of emotions. Um, I mean, even down to that the, the particular scene I described of the, mm-hmm. uh, the the rejection, I experienced that. I mean, it wasn't exactly a proposal, but I've experienced, you know, girlfriend, you know, throwing, uh, throwing something at you. It's like, it is crushing. It's heart crushing. And then there's other different uh, experiences in there that, uh, you know, excitement, emo- different emotions, just happiness or you know, downright fear. So yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of emotion that went into writing this, and uh, there's a lot of comedy too. Well, comedy is a good one. So let's uh, let me ask you this about the comedy portion then. What kind of sense of humor do you try to use with your writing? Is it a so like I always say, I write with a very sarcastic sense of humor. That's what I was about to say yes. <laughs> so so kind of the sarcastic dark humor or things like that seems to be a especially in the dystopian type of setting i imagine that would have to be the standard so with that what what actually got you to start writing it what was the because you said you were planning it for seven years yeah so what was the catalyst that was your starting factor i actually started writing when i was 12 okay and uh um this was Interestingly, um, what started it was uh, I lost my. I had a tenant. I had a uh, a knack for writing in a journal. My mother had gotten me this journal, and I'd write all the time. And at some point, I ran out of room, and so I started writing my journal into my computer. And mm-hmm. uh, there was a girl that I had a crush on, and uh, you know, I was writing about her, and I was stupid enough to share some of it with a friend of mine, my best friend at the time, not anymore. Um, right. And he told her about it. And so one day she confronts me. I hear you're writing a book about me. I'm like, what? No. And it just, I panicked and I didn't know what to do. And so ultimately I started writing a story that was completely unrelated to her. And, um, it was about an experience I had with the, um, a stolen uh, uh, is my stolen violin and orchestra, and 
anyway, I expanded on the story. I ended up becoming this time travel story and all this stuff. And uh, um, I I gave her a copy, and it wasn't very long. But um, I, this is the, you know, and the name was similar to hers. And uh, she's like, okay, thanks. Well, I'm glad uh, glad you you shared this with me because I'm moving. I'm like what? <laughs> Bombshell there. Right. <laughs> anyway, I, I digress. But um, really, that's where it got me started, and, and uh, I rewrote that particular story and I expanded on it and ultimately it became this detective, you know, mystery uh, time travel story that I published when I was 18. And that was the the first time I had published. And uh, um, I mean, it's it's no longer in print because, uh, you know, the first thing you write, it's, I don't know if embarrassing is the right word, but uh, you go back and you read, you're like, oh, that's terrible. So I understand. (laughs) But Eventually, I might rewrite it. Well, and you can always go back, rework it again if you feel the need of it. But it sounds very interesting. Well, I know that you have a busy day today as well from what we talked about. So I don't want to hold you up too long. So let's do this. I have a profile of you on authorblurb.com and your links are going to be in the show notes. Where do you prefer people to go find you if they want to contact you, if they want to learn more about your books? Do you have a place you prefer them to go? Um, there's my website. It's rmmolder.com. Uh, that's uh, probably the first stop. Um, otherwise, um, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not very present on social media. Just completely completely frank. Um, but mm-hmm. I do have a profile on uh, um, True Social. It's, mm-hmm. uh, um, and you'll find that there's rmmolder. Uh, rm underscore molder. Um, and uh, yeah, those are probably the primary sources. I don't use Facebook a whole lot. Um, I used to, but it has got to be where I, it consumes so much of my life. I wasn't writing. So, I understand. So, yeah. And some social medias definitely will suck you into the point of you're more obsessed about them than you are about other things. But we all make our decisions, what we want to do with our time. And it sounds like you rather be writing, which for what you're trying to do is a good idea. So I do appreciate you being on. I'm going to end the recording so that this is the end of the conversation for everybody else. But if you can hold on for me for just a moment, we'll talk a few moments as well. And then again, thank you for coming. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. So we've gone through the show. You heard everything that Richard has said. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you enjoyed everything he said. And I hope you're enjoying all the other guests that we've had, because if you have, that means you're going to be enjoying what's coming up. I've had a large selection of authors to try to get on this show, and I'm very happy with all the ones I've gotten. So with that being said, go to authorblurb.com, where you can find the author's profile, the author's episodes that you're listening to, so you can hear and watch prior episodes. If you don't want to watch them on the website and you want to subscribe to the show, you can find at authorblurb.com there as well where the shows are. So with that being said, thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us. And most of all, thank you for subscribing and being part of the audience that gets to meet the audience or meet the authors. So thank you. Have a good day. And I'll talk to you next week.